0: The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. You're welcome back to the show. Kieran Cuddy with you until seven o'clock and Declan Buckley with me for the Thursday interview this week. Of course, lots of you will know him well from Shirley Temple Bar from So You Think You're An Adult uh, on the Moncrease Show. Um, Declan, you're welcome to the studio. Hello. You're, you're, this is familiar territory, you see, yeah, for you. I know, I know the building yeah. in here. Um, you know when people ask you what you do at like a dinner party or the way kids just ask, what's your job? What do you
1: say? I hate this question. I really. Hate. And even, even when you started, I've been interviewed many times and I always get a bit cringed when people, once they get past Declan Buckley, then it becomes the description about what it is. You yeah. know, what is the buyer going to be? What way are people going to phrase it? What, what? Thing are they going to land on? Are they going to land on the fact that I do Telly Bingo? Are they going to land on Shirley Timmerbara Drag Queen? Are they going to come up with something else? I, you know, but, you know, the real answer is I don't know what I do. I don't know what it is. I, all I know is
0: that um, I've been doing it for a while. That's do, do you uh, make a judgment about how people are going to approach you based on how they describe it? How they describe you?
1: Um... Well, I suppose what it would be, would if, if I feel the language is is a little bit off, or or, or even if they kind of emphasise one thing over another, then yeah, a little bit. But I mean, I also come to the situation fully self-aware, <laughs> you know, I kind of know you're not dealing with your average,
0: normal kind of job in Google here. But have, did you ever have normal jobs, as we yeah, call them? Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, I, you know, I, I think, I've said this a few times, I've been saying to your, to your researcher before, um... I started off pretty on a normal track, kind of. I went to college, got a real job. I moved to London in the the early 90s after college. And I really thought that that was going to be my path, that I was going to, you know, get a job in an office and then just kind of be a bit of a mad person afterwards, you know, kind of the normal kind of split personality thing like most people do. Um, But... I found London a bit kind of... I lived there for four or five years. Um, I was working in television, in airtime sales and management and, and working on client accounts, dealing mm. with, you know, advertising. And then I left that and I worked in, in events management, where I was, again, dealing with clients and organising events um, and organising conferences on, on kind of business topics. So it was all pretty kind of cerebral and, yeah. and kind of adult. But I was kind of hating it. I wasn't... It, I, was, I felt like I was performing at being something... and. I think what's also important to realise is, that at the same time, I was only coming out as well, so I felt that the whole thing was, I was sick of performing at being something that I didn't feel was me, I didn't feel was authentic. So I kind of decided to throw the baby out with the bath, bath water, and I just kind of quit my job, came back home, and I spent some time thinking about what it is I wanted to be. Could have mm. been anything. Could become a poet or an actor or whatever. I didn't. I didn't have any particular. Um, idea. Sadly, that was always the problem. It still is the problem. I don't know what it is I want to do next. Um, and then the, the kind of the drag thing kind of happened out of left field and by accident because I was in that space where I was open to doing stuff. Um, I mean, everybody at the stage knows who Panty Bliss is, but at that stage you know, Panty Bliss was a kind of a under the radar kind of um, yeah. you know. Um, the gay scene would have been a lot kind of smaller and a lot more kind of um, or a lot less well known. And every year there was a big fundraiser uh, for HIV and AIDS uh, charities called The Alternative Miss Ireland. And I didn't really know what it was, but I was asked to do it. I went, you know, like a normal person. Yeah. I didn't ask any questions. I said, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, and I did it. I created a character to do it. And that character was Shirley Temple Bar. And completely surprisingly, I won the competition. And then as a result of that, I was asked to do other things. Little stupid things corporate gigs and, and then yeah. the George asked me to do a bingo show and and it just kind of you know kept going I was you know the bingo show every week and it's still every week I've been doing it for like 26 years now
0: And when, when, when it started on telly right because if if, <laughs> if 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 that was happening today you'd just it'd be you'd find yourself in the middle of the storm there'd be a big culture war over it
1: wouldn't there? Well I think people like to say that there was a culture war about it back then and there kind of was to an extent yeah, there, was was a lot, there were was bits of it. pushback about it I think, um, I think sometimes... Who pushed back? Anybody. The people you'd expect. People, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I, it's kind of easy to say the people you'd expect. But there's also, you know, you've got to bear in mind a couple of things about the situation. One is that I was a drag performer on television in daytime. Mm-hmm. Like, so the target market of the of the programming I was on was stay-at-home moms and older people. And it's exactly the kind of target market that people said would be most up in arms about a drag character being yeah. on television at all. Because I'd been talking to people about maybe doing a late-night show and, you know, it was in my mind that the most appropriate place for what I'd like to do would be, you know, late at night, where Shay Healy would have put me, you know, a Nighthawks kind of yeah. thing. Um, but then I got this opportunity and I felt, well, this this doesn't necessarily fit with what I, I want to do for my own career but it definitely fit from a political point of view of kind of putting myself there and it was uncomfortable to do for a while But and as you say there, there was a bit of pushback. There was quite a, a lot of acceptance though because at yeah. the end of the day people get over that quite quickly and that's often the case. Most of the time talking about something and the arguments that we have about stuff in the abstract are way greater than the realities of what happens when these things become part of society and the same thing happened with, with gay marriage it's happened so many times over so many social mm. issues you know giving women the vote you know there was a lot of talk about that you know I feel they're voting okay you know so it's kind okay of, you know. <laughs> we won't take it back yeah, you know well you know you never know what people would like to do you never know what kind of rollbacks people have in mind And um, but the reality of it is is that when it comes to social issues sometimes what, 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 yeah. what when we talk about things philosophically or just asking good faith questions these things become way more overblown and, and kind of poured over than the reality of life. Because life is messy and life, a lot of the stuff that people get to do in their own lives, if somebody outside came and started exploring and examining and questioning them, you know, people would feel a bit threatened by that because they they realise there's so much of what they do maybe, not that it's problematic, but maybe it is problematic or maybe it's just so self-conscious or unconscious, should I say, that people don't know what they're doing. So, from that point of view, anyway, what I'm really trying to say is that sometimes going into a situation where you kind of know people might have a, have a bit of pushback, but when the the net result of it is that you're still there
0: twenty six, eight years later, yeah, is that,
1: well, actually, it couldn't have been that much of a deal for people.
0: So, I mean, the perception that I have that maybe it'd be it'd be kind of there'd be more of a storm now because of the culture wars. It, uh, like you said, that's not necessarily true. There might be more. There'd be more chatter because there's just more chatter now. Um, and yeah, be and I think a lot of people. A lot of
1: people. Uh, ha- more well, That thing's been done. So it's already been done. It's like you can't have a debate about something happening and 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 happening when probably during your childhood. <laughs> this is going. You know, we're going back. This is twenty odd years we're talking about you know, having a drag queen on the television in that airtime slot has already happened. So you can't come to me and
0: go, this will ruin the country because actually Fianna Fáil did that. With the- <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you, you actually, you t- you, that's the second I mentioned politics. Like you said, it's interesting. Like part of the reason you wanted to kind of go on during the day, like there was a kind of a political reason, and I know you didn't mean it in a party politics sense. No, but I mean social a kind politics. Of a, yeah, social but, politics. But that's because what did you mean by because
1: that? I'm a, I'm a gay man who grew up who grew up came came you know became an adult in the eighties and the nineties at a time when the HIV and AIDS crisis was you know an epidemic when political conversations were being had about whether gay people even had a right to exist. Um, it was pre. Uh, decriminalisation of homosexuality in this country. Mm. So I grew up at a time where I ha- I felt I had to self-validate myself through just knowing myself well, but also weaponizing myself with arguments to kind of say, well, I have the right to exist. I have this argument, this argument and this argument. And, and that's politics. And that's, you know, forcing yourself to have a right to be at the table is something that gay Gay kids have to do a lot and maybe less, hopefully less now than they did before. But, but unfortunately, in, in the, 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 what you're calling the culture wars, that's creating an atmosphere where that kind of rhetoric and that kind of stuff is coming back. And, mm. and that's grim. To me, I feel that's, that's thoughtless because, again, it's what I was talking about earlier on. If people want to have a conversation in the abstract about something philosophical, these conversations have implications for real living people. And often their children mm. and often their children who have to you know then internally find words and, and and social mechanisms to deal with these situations that that you know are beyond the help that their parents can offer because it's it's not just coming from your family, it's coming from the world at large and uh, that's a really difficult thing to, yeah. to
0: fight to have you know so was that was 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 going on TV was that a, a part of the validation? process
1: maybe I've overplayed that one I mean that when in the context of the, the conversation that we we're having started with you saying was there a pushback and I'm saying that even if there was that made me want to do it more okay. because I was kind of saying well in that case then I kind of have to do it because if somebody thinks that there's something inherently wrong about that then let them let the argument mm. happen and the argument happened and,
0: and I won no. And and that like that characteristic in you that kind of rejected the 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 kind of uh, dual track life of the kind of the nine to five one character uh, in work nine to five the other character uh, kind of out partying at the weekends or whatever it happened to be or living a different life and, and putting yourself out there in front and center I mean like was that informed from family background Did No, it's it kind of a surprising now maybe. You know, when I think about it,
1: you know, since I was a child, both my parents are deaf. So since a young, since since I was very young, I would have been asked by them to just in, in minor social situations to step up and act as the kind of interface, the interpreter mm. between what they're trying to communicate with whoever, whether it was somebody in the shop or you know a neighbor or whatever it is. It would have been interactions where I would have been acting as a spokesperson. So yeah. in that in that in that respect, yes, definitely, is something that you know is a lot, an ongoing thing, but I'm also, you know, surprisingly shy and surprisingly reserved for somebody who's in the situation that I am, because a lot of it is accidental. It's like I didn't choose for my parents to be deaf. I didn't know that when Panty asked me to do this alternative Miss Ireland thing that it would suddenly turn into a career where I'm, you know, when I'm doing things. I'm also quite willing to go with the flow. So, yeah. so, so that's why you know I don't mind being in situations, but I don't plan to be in them.
0: And that, the growing up with deaf parents—I mean, did it? Did it? it, it I guess growing <laughs> your parents inform your worldview, and your yeah. experience of growing up informs your worldview. So it's kind of a maybe it's a stupid question to ask. Did it? So maybe the better question is: to to what extent was the fact that they were deaf that experience? Did it? Did it? impact your worldview?
1: Yeah, I've talked about this a bit and, and, and each time I talk about it, maybe because I'm speaking the words and I'm forming my, my thoughts about it, it becomes a bit clearer to me. But the, the one point I'd say is that when children are born into a family, that's the only family that they know. So it's only then when they see other families that they draw comparisons and they can make connections between what we do and what, what they do. And depending on what the number weight is, whether there's more of them or more of you, you make, you know, whether you're the minority or you're the majority, you kind of decide whether you're, and I'm using scare quotes here, you're normal mm. and whether you're not normal. And it became very apparent to me, you know, that we were the kind of strange little family that had different me- mechanics, You know, my parents were both deaf, so we had, you know, we were signing at home where the families weren't signing at home. I didn't realise my parents were different until that kind of thought process would have crystallised and they're going, OK, they're not deaf. Um, Can you remember when it crystallised? I would say it was very young, I wouldn't mean, yeah. because, but also a lot of people assume that, that I, I'm not participating in, in wider society, but, you know, you know, a deaf, a child of deaf adults will will be um, sort of conversant and, and familiar with deaf culture and, and, and the way that the deaf world is, but they'd also, by nature of their own identity and also, what, you know, going to school mm. and interactions with their friends and their families, be very mm. comfortable and conversant and familiar with the hearing world as well. So you're kind of, inhabiting two worlds all of the time and it's a very comfortable space for a, a, a child, a code, a, a child of deaf adults to be in most of the time. Sometimes, it, you know, the, the pull can be a little bit, that's what that Oscar winning film was about, it was about, you know, the pull yeah. into into one or the other and the reality of it is, is that when you're actually comfortable with yourself and you're and you're you're given supports and society isn't being a bitch about it, you can actually mm-hmm. be comfortable in both. There's, there's nothing to say that you can't. Um it's just your own identity. It's just not the same as everybody
0: else's. Are you totally comfortable in your own identity today?
1: Um is That's anyone? quite that's quite a deep question. And I mean would is anybody? I think I definitely am aware of growth. I'm definitely aware that I'm I'm stronger than I was before. That's what Britney Spears says as well, isn't it? You know, but I, it, like we were joking about it earlier on. You know, I, I still don't know what it, it is I want to be when I grow up. So is is that because I, I'm not sure of who I am, or is that because I'm I'm kind of curious and I'm willing to do things? So you mm. know, uh, you're a history buff. Is that right? Yes. I'm, not like in any. I mean, I'm really interested, and I read a lot about history and stuff. Yeah.
0: What periods of history?
1: All of it. Actually, at the moment, I'm reading um, Simon, what's his name, Uh, a really big book called The World of Family History, and it's it's not if you're if you are a history buff, there's not really much in it that is new information, but it's just a kind of the way it's Simon Sebag uh, Montefiore. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, that's the one.
0: All his books are big.
1: Yes, big, huge. They're all big books. This is (laughs) I'm kind of working through that one, kind of you know piecemeal. It's not. I'm not reading it through like an. Novel, but it, it is, it's kind of interesting. And it's also what's interesting is that he has, um, it's not revisionism, but it's more like where he's put the focus on sometimes is a lot more on women and also kind of the, what we would call nowadays the LGBT kind of mm. characters are kind of just, you know, pointed out, which I think is really interesting because I yeah. wasn't there when I was a kid. If you
0: could live in another time, when would it be.
1: Oh God, you know, do I want smallpox or do I want... That's the always well- the thing. Yeah, people think it? of
0: the... Well, people always imagine the political machinations then you say, no. you know, they didn't have toothpaste. Yeah, or no. <laughs> or toilet paper. Well, I hate my teeth so I could probably <laughs> cope with no toilet toothpaste. Toilet paper? Toi- oh, you, what oh, you yeah, want to you do to is you want to find out when they invented toilet paper <laughs> yeah. and just at yes. any point after that is <laughs> yeah, an okay sure. answer.
1: For sure. You know, yeah, I, you know, I like the I like history <laughs> but I kind of like to live in the future as well. I'd like to see where we're going with this. I mean, you know, you know, It'd be interesting to see. What
0: but. What then are your your kind of, your dinner party, your historical dinner party guests?
1: Yeah, that's kind of interesting because it's, um oh,
0: that's a tough one as well because
1: it just depends. I'd, I'd love to, to, to meet like, maybe Leonardo da Vinci would be kind of yes. a good one just because I think he was kind of, you know, intelligent and broad-minded and interested in lots of different stuff. Um, But then I'd like somebody, you know, really far back. Somebody like, you know, some nameless... Crow Magnum kind of like cave person just so they could see and go. Oh yeah, you know, just to kind of you know see what that was like. Um, you know, Grania Whale, the pirate queen. I'd like to meet her. They're good
0: answers. Yeah, yeah.
1: Just to see the combination of what people. Would yeah,
0: like I I was asked this once, uh, and, and my mother texted me to give out about my answer in an interview because I just picked all kind of. um Ma- maniacs from history effectively oh, right. oh, right. it was all like it was like Stalin and Hitler and Genghis Khan I think and wow yeah okay well, like I don't think
1: you'd get through you know many courses there. yeah I kind of think it'd be fascinating <laughs> though
0: yeah no it would be
1: but I would I would imagine that you know that's like saying I'd like to have dinner with Trump um I'd, I just don't think that
0: dinner with Trump and somebody else like Trump would be very enjoyable because, you know,
1: can you imagine the clash of that kind of like Yeah, big yeah,
0: leaders. yeah. Sometimes just because you can't do something, maybe it doesn't mean you should, should. Uh, uh That's what my something. mother always says. Oh, really? where it
1: got me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, well, listen, um, I mentioned kind of uh, so you think you're an adult. Um, and actually, before I let you go, uh, just on, I mean, is that is that something, because it, it sounds like you have great fun doing it uh, every week and people who listen to it on the show will know you have great fun. I mean, is it is it a role that you enjoy inhabiting, that role, kind well, of the, the, the like, advice offering?
1: I was talking to somebody about this and they said, I'm a psychotherapist and I love listening to this advice thing. Yeah. Are you trained to be, you know, to do this? And I said, "What do you think?" And they laughed. <laughs> so you know, that says all you need to know about it. Because the reality of it is, you know, when it comes to people helping people, giving them advice is just coming from the opinionated point of view. That means we're we're actually kind of just laughing at them, really. We're not really helping them. A psychotherapist, go for real help if you want real help. If you don't come to me,
0: yeah, but you you never feel, do you, that? Um... You know, because you were very conscious, say, in terms of the conversations earlier, the, the culture war conversation. That when people are talking in the abstract, that there's real people. True. You know, at the end yeah, of it, that is Th- true. That, that.
1: I um, know, I, I'm being kidding, but Barbara, no, no, and i would I, be I, very I, careful I, about not, you know, actually hurting somebody who has a genuine problem. But sometimes the nature of people's problems are. You know, they really just require a mirror and a good hard look at Yeah, them. they
0: do. And listen, they're, they're, they're some of them are absolutely bizarre, and, and they, you, we you, love you, them. You, you can't but Keep have a laugh them at in. them. But I want—have you ever kind of walked out and thought, "Oh, yes, I shouldn't have said that," or "God, I hope they don't think that was real advice I was giving." Yeah, and you know,
1: the, the times when that happens is—is, is, I mean, you know, speaking like a real narcissist is when the problems are very close. To my own kind of existence. If it's something to do with LGBT issues, you know, where I feel there's a double responsibility on me, one is to kind of represent the community mm. and also to to communicate politically and advocate for the community, then I feel a little bit of pressure to not kind of, it's not about belittling people's problems, it's about presenting is, am I saying an argument? Maybe I'm saying yeah, But presenting a case and presenting, you know, a solution for one person that might be good for them without diminishing the existence of an entire class of people. So yeah. that, that can feel a bit like, oh, okay, I, am I going to get slapped in the face the next time I'm in a gay bar? Yeah, all right. But that hasn't <laughs> happened yet,
0: has it? Never. No, hopefully it won't. <laughs> Declan, listen, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so Great much. i enjoyed it. Uh, Declan Buckley, who, uh, as... I mentioned uh, you will hear on the Moncrief Show, uh, so you think you're an adult, along with Barbara. Uh, Declan, listen, like I say, absolute pleasure. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.